Good morning again, everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know us, uh, I'm Gabby. This is Ruben, my husband, and we started the church six years ago, and it's been a total privilege. Um, I have to say that yesterday I, I saw uh, a photo of a Portuguese church here in Lisbon, and on the I thought it was such a good idea. On the entrance of their church, they have a huge backdrop that says, no perfect people allowed in. <laughs> and as we rejoice today, as we celebrate today, you know, it may look so dandy and so beautiful and so amazing, but the past six years have also been messy and have also been filled with brokenness and have also been filled with so much imperfection. But that's why we glorify God. That's why we exalt him, because even in our weakness, even in our brokenness, he gives peace to someone like Elishka, and he gives purpose, and he gives a calling to a couple like Barry and Lisa, and, and all the guys that were up here, and all of you, we thank God. That is so not about us and our qualifications, but it is about him and what he wanted to do in and through Lisbon. So yesterday we celebrated also the anniversary of the Lisbon Project. As Jode was saying, Lisbon Project is our social nonprofit where we support migrants and refugees with language classes, employment, community activities, legal support, and all kinds of things. And as we were preparing for this week, I couldn't help but think how young and foolish we were to start both things on the same day, which means that every single year this weekend is just madness. <laughs> we had over a hundred people from all, all over the world and Joe Day just planned and organized an amazing event last night. And then they had to clean up till like midnight or one in the morning and make sure that everything was clean so that we could welcome everyone again this morning. And we're just <laughs> grateful. Our hearts are overwhelmed with gratitude for what God has done. And if you have been here for any small period of time, um, you will have heard the story and you will know that when God called us to start Lisbon Project and Riverside Lisbon, that I didn't want to, that I was against it, that I did not want to do that with my life. This idea of a project in Lisbon, because that's all that it was. The Lisbon Project idea came first, and and, and God started um, talking to us about migrants and refugees in Lisbon, and the idea of the church came a little bit later when we realized we cannot help people socially and not have a spiritual home for them and not give them what really matters. Um, and at the time, there wasn't really a international uh, church in Lisbon, and so um, so God was speaking to us, but I didn't want to. It didn't, this idea, it was vague and it didn't align with my thoughts. It didn't align with my plans. I didn't want to stay in Portugal. I really didn't want to be involved in church. I'm a pastor's kid. And so uh, being a pastor, married to a pastor was like a never, I don't want that for my life. Um, and everything in me was saying no. And yet on days like today and on weekends like today, I am so reminded by the verse in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And today I'm so humbled that this church was born in the heart of God. I'm so thankful that he envisioned you sitting in the seat that you're sitting in. I'm so grateful and we, we think about the couples who have met in this church 
and who have decided to live a Christ-centered marriage. We're going to marry off Andre and Marta. I don't know if they're in the house. They're probably stressed out. They're getting married on Friday. So <laughs> they're, they're containing their energies for that. But we're, we're so grateful. They met here and they're deciding to glorify God in their marriage. We think of the students that gave their lives to Christ when they encountered the gospel in this house and decided to live for him. We think of people that came to Lisbon with so many plans and so many ideas for their career or for their academics. And yet they found purpose here and they found a greater calling and a greater meaning for their lives. We think of all the hurting that have walked through those doors and found healing. We think of those that were completely lost and discouraged and hopeless and they walked through these doors and they found hope and they found family and they found community. And so we are so glad that God has chosen to build his kingdom through Riverside Lisbon and through you. Yeah. And it's, as Gabby said, it's so humbling for us to see what started with with a vision, with a prompt from the Lord uh, six years ago, even earlier than that, is, is now already a house. And as Gabby said, it's not just a house for one entity, it's a house for two entities. It's like having two, two extra children on top of the children that we have, Riverside Lisbon and Lisbon Project. And as Gabby said, it, it humbles us to see that this, this house that the Lord has opened in the city of Lisbon, it's not just because we decided and we thought it was a great idea. It came from the heart of the Lord. And all of a sudden, all of you who are part of this city, who are part of this house, uh, are become kingdom builders. You are called to be part of this thing that God is doing in the city of Lisbon. And so a passage like when we read in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus is calling his disciples to be part of something greater than themselves, Jesus tells his disciples in Luke chapter 10, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So we have entered the city of Lisbon. It's so interesting that Gabby and I, we both didn't have a big relationship with the city of Lisbon. Most of our lives, we lived in the suburbs of, of Lisbon. We avoided coming into Lisbon because of traffic, because only if there was a really good reason to go into the city. But Jesus is saying, when you enter a town and when you enter the city of Lisbon, this is what you have to do. You have to eat. That's not hard enough. That's good. But there's going to be healing and you're going to be sent to proclaim. And 2,000 years later, when Jesus told this to his disciples, that is still what we do. We share meals with each other. We nurture relationships. We're working. We're playing together. We're laughing. We're living among each other. But we're also witnessing physical and most importantly, spiritual healing. That comes to be part of being part of God's family. And we also proclaim the good news of salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. So these verses, they still assure us that as long as we exist, as long as we are here, we are meant to be building the church of Jesus with this power that he has given us to embrace, to heal, to restore and renew and redeem. And Jesus began by setting his disciples through all of the towns in Judea. And then he sent his disciples to all the towns in Samaria. And eventually it started going to Lebanon and to Greece and to different parts of the world. And finally it reached Europe. 
And it reached Portugal, and it reached the city of Lisbon. And every time that the church, the body of Christ gathers together, we're showing up with the power that Jesus has to embrace and to transform lives. This power that announces that the king of creation already came, and he gave his life for us, but he rose again and he reigns forever and ever in glory. So six years... So much has happened and we want to look back with gratitude, but we also want to look into the future with great expectation. Greater things are yet to come in the city of Lisbon. Can I hear an amen? amen. I want to hear a better amen. Greater things are yet to come in the city of Lisbon. God is at work. And that whether you're part of Riverside Lisbon or not, even if you're just passing through the city of Lisbon, wherever the Lord takes you, it is for you and I to be kingdom builders. He has placed the mission in our hearts. You are an agent of heaven in this world. You are an agent of love, of grace. And today God wants to renew our focus on our eternal mission. And for us to do that today, Gabby and I would love to take you back in history a little bit. So we've been doing a message series in the evening about the book of? Very good. And so some of you are already quite familiar with the context. So I'm going to just go into the quickest context possible. The book of Second Kings, we see that the people of God, they were taken captive into Babylon. In, in 597 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and completely wipes out the city of Jerusalem. He destroys the incredible temple of God that King Solomon had built. And the people of God, those who were not killed in that when the city was taken, uh, they were taken captive by the Babylonians, and they were put into exile in the empire of Babylon, completely out of Judah. And they were oppressed for seven years until one king... King Cyrus, now he was the king of Persia that had the feet of the kingdom of Babylon. He now decided to let the people of God go back into their own land and to rebuild the house of the Lord. That was the sole purpose, to rebuild the house of the Lord. So we pick up in Ezra. The people are being permitted to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of God. So it says in Ezra chapter 1 verse 5, Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Now this stood out to me because I just assumed that everyone would return to Jerusalem. They'd been captive for 70 years and now King Cyrus, King Darius, Cyrus. King Cyrus permitted them to go back. And so I thought that everyone would just go running back home. I mean, who would want to stay under the authority of someone else when they could have freedom? But in Ezra, we read that only those whose hearts were moved came back from exile. So that means that some chose to stay. And here's the thing. Some will choose to stay. When God calls us to get up to obey his call, to follow where he leads us and to build his kingdom, you will always have a choice. And in one way, I'll be real with you, it's an extremely difficult choice. If we focus on ourselves, it's hard to obey God. 
Sure, the Israelites were in captivity, but, but they had learned how to make the most of it. I mean, enough time had passed. They probably had children and grandchildren. They built a life for themselves. They were coping, and it wasn't that terrible. We heard that the empire of Babylon, I mean, this is where the technology is. This is where modernity is. This is the Paris, the New York, the Milan of the time. This is where you want to be. And so they'd set up their routines, and they'd secured their family's well-being. Life was okay. They were doing what they could, living in their own pursuit of happiness. And now, all of a sudden, God opens a door for them to go back to Jerusalem. But who could guarantee that life would be better there? Who could, who could guarantee that, that things would be okay? I mean, change again. They had been uprooted. They had finally settled in. And now, change again. You know, it's hard to follow a God who invites us to the unknown who invites us to trust him instead of what we can see and what we can do in our own strength. And the Israelites, they always struggled with that. In fact, even before they had been taken captive, the Bible says in Jeremiah, but they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts and went backward and not forward. How many of you are so busy with life and yet you don't feel like you're going forward. And yet you feel like you're kind of on this treadmill where, where you're not going anywhere. You're really busy every day. People ask you, how are you? Busy. But you don't feel like you're moving forward. See, some choose to stay. Because if you focus on yourself, then God's invitation to build is too scary. And it's too demanding. You don't have guarantees. The numbers don't always add up. It doesn't really align with your dreams and with your goals for you and your family. You don't have full control because now you have to really surrender full sovereignty and full control to God. And sadly, the outcome is, and the Bible tells us, that without God, you end up going backward and not forward. And this is something I believe we all struggle with. And we all face life in need of this assurance of who can we trust? What can we build? What can we do with the limited capabilities that we have, with the limited resources? Even if God reveals to us what is the purpose, what can we do? But some, as the word says, some Israelites, they chose to go and build those whose hearts were moved. And when we place our focus away from ourselves... When we stop for a little bit thinking about who we are and we start thinking about who he is, then it's not that great of a decision or, or not hard of a decision to choose to go boldly in faith. Because the God that we serve is the Almighty God. When we choose to focus on the God that created the heavens and the earth, when we choose to focus on the one that called nothing into existence, when we choose to, to follow the God that created us in our mother's wombs, it's supposed to be much easier for us to say, here I am, Lord, use me, send me. And let me share with you just a few reasons why you and I, we can trust in the Lord. Perhaps you need to be reminded of this this morning. Perhaps what you're facing right now, the circumstances, make everything seem a little bit blurry. And this comfort, you let this comfort came in, you let this encouragement came in. And it's important for us to go back into what the Word of God says about who is God? 
Who is the God that we serve? In a very important verse we find in Numbers 23, it says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and he will not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? God wants to remind us that God is not deceitful. He is not out there to get you. He's not out there to trick you and to deceive you and to make you go through places that you're going to fall, that you're not going to be able to overcome. No. In the past six years of our lives, even in our own personal lives, we have experienced the faithfulness of God in such immense, beautiful ways, more than it is possible even to count in this place. Because when God calls us, when we choose obedience, when we choose to trust in the Lord, He is the one that provides. He is the one that equips. He is the one that provides counsel. That He's the one that provides comfort when it's time to cry. He is the one that is going to be your helper in all times of our lives. The second book of Chronicles chapter 20 says, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. What a reminder. If you have a Bible with you, if you have a pencil, you have to write this down. You can put this in your fridge. You can write this verse in your mirror. If this is going to remind you of who is the God that you serve, you need to put this up front every single day of your life because our God is sovereign over all things. And we could go through scripture. We could go and mention every story, every aspect, every attribute of the God that we serve. Because we know through scripture that God is love. We know through scripture that God is always faithful. We know through scripture that God always forgives. We know through scripture that God is always good and he will always provide for you what you need. Maybe not what you think you need, but what he knows that you need. Because he has wonderful plans for his children and we know all of this and if it wasn't just this enough he gave us the best that he had he gave us his own son so that we could live forever throughout throughout all eternity with him so yeah we can trust God yes you can trust God whatever circumstances that you're facing Whatever plans and visions and purposes that he's putting in front of you for you to walk in, whether if it's in your workplace, whether it's in the family side of things, even and especially the kingdom side of things, because everything is kingdom, God is calling you to step into the unknown, but fully knowing who he is. So as you move forward and as we move forward now, after six years, we have only two choices. We remain living life the way that we know it, the way that we think it's okay. We try to cope with the worst times and we make best of what we've got. Or we trust God. Or we continue to pursue God. 
or we continue to chase after the dreams and the purposes that God has for our lives. And as we trust Him, as we pursue Him, as we go wherever He leads, we will keep building His kingdom. When opportunities come and change starts to happen, there will be no need for you and I to be anxious or nervous. We can look into the future. We can look into the unknown with excitement and peace because whatever it is that he is allowing in your life, whatever it is that he's allowing in this community, it's for his glory and no one else's. Amen. And so the Israelites, we are told in the, in the book of Haggai, that they went back to Judah and maybe they had heard an exciting preaching like this where you can trust God. Come on, guys, let's go back to Jerusalem. And after you hear this kind of message, you're ready to go. You're ready to build. You're ready to roll up your sleeves, to pick up the tools. And we're going to rebuild the temple of God. And they were so excited and so ready for what God was going to do. But soon enough, their work pace started to slow they started not to be as on time like Rodrigo is. They started to feel a little despondent and they start to feel a little discouraged until eventually they're completely demotivated. What happened was that they had started thinking about the past. So they were now in Jerusalem and they were building, but they started thinking and remembering about the glory of the former temple. If you go back to 1 Kings, you will read of how majestic that temple was. I mean, David gave Solomon strict instructions. If you read through 1 Kings, it's just like the, the exact size and the exact type of wood and the gold and the silver. And he gave him very clear guidelines of how he was meant to build the temple. And, and we read that Solomon was incredibly wealthy. And so he was able to go above and beyond his father's wildest dreams for that temple. He employed the best craftsmen and the best architects and, and builders. And he ordered vast amounts of gold and silver and timber and built the temple with care to the smallest of details. He was an artist and, and he was putting all of his heart, soul and mind into the temple of God. People from all over the ancient world would travel to come see this temple in Jerusalem. And if you fast forward to the book of Haggai, now you have a few guys trying to build a temple with almost no resources and very little know-how. I'm sure it felt like comparing a custom-made, beautiful designer temple to now, uh, sorry to all the Swedes, an Ikea-type scenario, <laughs> where they're like trying their best to follow instructions with materials that probably won't last that long. <laughs> what had they done coming back to Jerusalem? Was this temple even worth rebuilding? And maybe you came to Lisbon and you came so excited for what God was going to do in your life. And God is calling you and you have this assurance and you heard a really good sermon that confirmed the calling before you came. And so you're coming and you're so filled with enthusiasm for what the Lord is going to do. And then a month goes by and two months goes by and you still don't have that many friends and you still don't feel as plugged in and you still don't feel what you thought you were going to feel. And you start comparing your Lisbon life to your old life and you also start to feel demotivated. You start to feel discouraged and wondering what in the world am I doing here? Did I listen properly? Is this what God had for me? 
And so God speaks straight to the hearts of the Israelites through Haggai. God says, ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? God knew exactly what they were thinking, and he goes straight to the core. But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, yeah. declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I have covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So essentially, God says, get back yeah. to work. <laughs> I know you're discouraged, but just pick up your tools and get back to work because I am with you. The one who has called you to build, remember that you can trust me. Remember that I am sovereign, that I am trustworthy. So do not fear. And just here in this portion of scripture in Haggai, we can learn a few lessons of how we can get back to work. And as Ruben said, we don't just want to be grateful and thinking of the past. We want to look to the future with expectation. So we're going to take us through three lessons that we can we can understand from this scripture. Yeah, three important lessons that we, we really feel from the Lord. It's what's going to allow us to continue building in the city of Lisbon. Because the same things that the people of Israel face, the same level of circumstances, the same level of sometimes to be demotivated. It happens to us. And man, even this morning I was speaking with the team and so many times after a big hype and after something that we've reached and you're finally in Lisbon and finally you have your residency card and finally you got things worked out and then after, but what else? What is God going to do? And then you start not having goals and ideas. But this is the God that we serve. And he has a plan and purposes that he wants to unfold. But if you are in this point, and if you want to continue building with us, whatever God is going to build in your life as well, you need to take these tools. You need to take these, these principles that came from scripture. And the first one is you need to use what you have. The Israelites, they were demotivated because they didn't think they had what it takes to build the second temple. They had just been through 70 years of oppression, of hardship, and now they're being taken back into the, the, their land that is completely destroyed. They don't even have houses. They didn't have anything. And now, first things first, they have to rebuild the temple of God. Often I think God gives us a mission to build his kingdom to be a blessing but instead of doing that, we hide away because we do not think we have what it takes. How can we strengthen others when we feel ourselves that we don't have strength? How can we lift up others when we so many times we're the ones that feel down? How can I encourage others into the kingdom when I am the first one struggling? How can I guide others when I don't even know what God is doing in my life? Thing is, my friends, God does not expect tidy little Christians who have it all together to build a perfectly blameless church that has it all together. God knows your weakness. And like Paul, we can all boldly say that when we are weak, say it with me, when we are weak, then we are strong. 
It's a paradox. The moments we feel the least of the least, it's the moments that God calls us strong. And in Riverside, we love the verses that say, so that. Here's a so that verse for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. God comforts us in all our troubles, say it with me, so that, say it again with me, so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. And this is a very special thing for us as a church, as a community. We're not going to give you anything. No one in this community is going to give you anything that is fake. We can only give to you and we can only minister to you of the things that we ourselves have lived with the Lord. If you're going through a hard time, if you need prayer, if you don't know what is the future for the things that you're facing, you can always come to church. You can always find a fellow believer in this place and they will be able to comfort you. You know why? Because they've been through the same thing. Because they know where you are. Because we know what you're feeling. Because we've all been there. We have this habit of hiding behind our weakness. Hiding behind the fact that we don't have certain experiences in life. We, we want to hide the scars of what was done in our past. But let me tell you something. Your scars, they're beautiful. Your scars, whether physically or spiritually, they are beautiful because they're the testimony of the presence of God in your life. They're not wounds anymore. They are scars because God has restored what is broken. That hardship that you've been through or you are still going through, isn't it the biggest tool that God wants to use to build his kingdom? God is calling us to love people with the same love that we ourselves have received from him. So if you've struggled with unemployment... If you've struggled with depression, with lack of confidence, if you have struggled with, with love, if, if you are, there are areas of your life that are in need of restoration like family or work, if you've battled with an addiction, if you are facing so many different circumstances, then the Bible says you can declare like Peter, you have no gold or silver, but what you have is what God is calling you to give. To give what you have. To give to others what God has placed in your life. Because that unique expression of His goodness is going to continue to build His kingdom in the city of Lisbon. Amen. So use what you have. And number two, don't despise small beginnings. The Israelites were demotivated because what they were doing seemed so small and so insignificant. The Bible says in Zechariah 4.10, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. Zerubbabel, which is a mouthful to say, was one of the leaders among the group. He was the governor of Judah, and he was responsible for laying the foundation of the temple. The plumb line, had to look that up, is an instrument used by masons and carpenters to draw perpendicular lines in order to judge whether the building would be upright. 
See, they knew that God wanted them to build something beautiful, but all that they could see so far was the foundation. And they were discouraged. See, when God gave us the vision for the Lisbon Project in Riverside, Lisbon, we had to start somewhere. We had been doing some research of what are we going to do and where are we going to be. And, you know, my dream was always to be in this location, in Ajoyush. That is the most diverse uh, municipality in all of Portugal. And so if we're going to work with migrants and refugees, that's where I want to go. And yet God took us to a place called Lumiar, outside the city center, barely has a metro to get there. <laughs> And it was tiny, it was half of this room. You saw it in the pictures. And I remember leaving there after we had visited this place and I thought, no, <laughs> this is so small. It's so not the right location. This is so short of all that God is gonna do and, and all that we want him to do and that we dream him to do. And I just felt it so strong in my heart. I didn't even know this verse until this, this season where God just reminded me, do not despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord loves to see the work begin yeah. and just was a reminder that that his heart was so pleased that we were starting that we were taking a step of obedience that I always loved this 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 phrase has been so strong to me that on the other side of your obedience there is always someone and that God has that someone in mind. And so we, we, we started church there and then we had been there and we had about 30, 40 people in the small church that we've been having for a few months, almost a year. And God brings this couple and we didn't know them from anywhere. And this couple is there with us in church. And then they come to speak to Reuben and I and they said, this is really special what you have here, but doesn't it feel a bit small? Should we go to lunch tomorrow? <laughs> and so Ruben and I go to lunch with them the next day and they go, what would you do with church in Lisbon if money wasn't a problem? And basically the whole conversation is what led us to move to this place. But I remember after that conversation that Ruben and I went to the car and basically these guys are, are proposing that they're going to fund our move to somewhere bigger. And we sat in the car of this expensive hotel in silence. Not just because God was maybe going to do something, but because we felt so seen by God. That this small beginning, this church that we were, were committed to in Lisbon, that sometimes we'd have seven people, sometimes we'd have 40 people, just sometimes we'd have regular people, sometimes it'd be just everyone new on a Sunday. And we were putting our heart into it and we were putting our commitment to, into it. And maybe you could think, oh, this is just a small little group of people. And yet God just reminded us on that day in that hotel, I see you. And I love this small beginning because God can see the full picture already. And when we started in April, we started, we went to two services because the morning was too packed. And I remember on the first evening service that we had in April, Peter reminded us, do not despise the days of small beginnings because the Lord loves to see the work begin. And, you know, some works never begin because we can't get over our own perspective of how small the foundation looks like. God already sees the full building. He already sees the many people that your life is going to impact. But we get so stuck on what we can see. And the limited perspective of the foundation that looks so small. In some translations, it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. But it wasn't a day for Zerubbabel. It had been years of just the foundation. And so many of us, we give up. We get discouraged because we compare what we're doing to others. Yeah. 
or we compare our lives to the people around us or we compare our lives to the expectation of our family and our friends. And what we are doing just feels like a drop in the ocean. So meaningless in the scope of things. But here's the thing I've learned about the day that God is referring to. It's not a waste and it's not a mistake. God uses the days of small beginnings to shape us and to prepare us to work in us a faith and a dependency on him alone. I remember so many stories of the past six years of how we were brought to a place where we literally, it was a dead end. Like, we don't know what to do, God. We can't build anymore if you don't come through, if you don't provide, if you don't bring the people. And so he uses these days of small beginnings to increase our faith. Luke 16 says, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And so I want to encourage you to start today. Be faithful today. Whether you're staying in Riverside, Lisbon, or whether you're off to somewhere else in the world, do not discredit yourself or disqualify yourself from building the kingdom of God because you say, well, I'm just, I'm just a young Christian. I'm just in the beginning of my faith. No, now's the time to plug in. Now's the time to serve. Now's the time to go to Bible studies and to learn and, and to be a blessing with that young faith that you have. Start using the gifts and the talents that God has given you to be a blessing. It's time to build no matter how that start looks like for you. And I believe we are still in the start of Riverside Lisbon. Six years is only the beginning. And so I encourage you to serve. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. God has a whole other perspective for your life. And it is so much more than you. It is about all the people that your life interacts with. And he is passionate to see the work begin. And for the the last lesson in this passage. Um, it w- it's so interesting to see that God completely knew peop- the people's heart. They, he knew exactly what they were facing. And so Haggai goes on encouraging the people, not just the people feeling down because they felt they didn't have what it takes. We saw that. Not just because the beginning was taking forever and they couldn't see any physical growth to their efforts in the beginning. But it's also they had to be instructed because they had the wrong view of success. They had a wrong view of the end goal of things. Because for them, success was all in the outward appearance of the temple. If they could make something as impressive as Solomon's temple, that would be a success. If it could look as beautiful, as rich, as magnificent, as glorious to be fitting the glory of God, then it would be something worth building. So we get to verse 6 of Haggai chapter 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, I don't think they 
fully understood Haggai's message at this time. But God is very clear when he says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. God is saying, if I wanted this temple to be even richer than was Solomon's temple, I could do it. If my plan was to put Riverside Lisbon in the, in the, in the expo, in Parque de Genesões, in that biggest auditorium, what is the name of that auditorium? Altisarena. If God wanted to put Riverside Lisbon in Altisarena, wouldn't it be possible for him to do so? He could. All silver, all gold belongs to him. God is saying, I am the same God that provided for Solomon. But God is also saying, but I have something much better in mind. I have something much greater in mind. God says through Haggai, I will fill this house with my glory. The glory of the present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. You see, because only 500 years later, God would send his son Jesus and he would walk through that temple's doors. The people of Israel had no idea and very little understanding probably that the Messiah, the king himself, would enter through the doors of that temple and he would change the history of mankind forevermore. The prince of peace would manifest his glory at that temple. And peace would now forever reign in the lives of those who embrace him. But as we build, it's so easy to get distracted by our own vision of success. In your obedience to God, in my obedience to God, we have our pictures of success, of what people want to look and see in our lives, of what we ourselves want to see in our lives and what we have achieved. And we so very often, we get the wrong motivation. We focus on the appearance of things instead of the purpose that God has for us. And so in this lesson, we are so reminded to build God's kingdom and not our own kingdom. My friends, whatever God is doing in your life, it's not your kingdom. It's his kingdom. Whatever God is doing in this place is not our kingdom. It's his kingdom. It's not about you and I. And I don't know where God is going to take Abby and I. We're not going to say goodbye or anything. Don't be worried about that. But even if Gabby and Ruben are not here, even if Pedro and Judea are not here, even if Angel and even if Barry is not here, even if Karun is not here, and we would be so sad because we wouldn't have yummy food anymore, but it's okay. Because Riverside Lisbon isn't about us. It's all about him. And through the time that we're passing by through this life, through this earth even, it is just a privilege to cooperate with God in what he is doing in this city. It is just a privilege 
to get to know you, to get to know your stories, to get to see your talents, to get to see what uniqueness God has put in the kingdom that only you can bring into building the city and the kingdom of God. So throughout our, the rest of our history, however long it will stay, it will keep being at pointing people away from themselves and pointing people into the heart of God. Taking the people's focus away from themselves, away from their own goals, and helping them see the beautiful goals that God has for his church, for his kingdom here in the city of Lisbon. Amen. I want to call the worship team up as we close. We have two preachers, so we were never going to be on time, but we admitted that. But it's amazing that if we go back to the beginning, only those whose hearts were moved went back to build. And I wonder if your heart is moved. I would love to look out on a Sunday morning and just know how you're building. Know that you're in a ministry serving here at church, whether it's with kids or connect or worship team or whatever it is. I would love to know how you're serving in your workplace, in your university, serving the people around you because we are called to build. This is not a church where we come and we see a performance where we come and we consume, like Barry and Lisa were saying, that is the last thing they wanted was to come and sit in a church where they just consume and they get fed. But they want to be a blessing because we are called to be a blessing. And so as we worship, as we continue the celebration of what God has done through his people, for his people, and for his glory, I want you to just be real before God. Is your heart moved to build his kingdom? I would encourage you to take your eyes off of yourself, what you can see, your gifts and your talents and your circumstances, and place your eyes on God. God, I will trust you because you are not man that you would lie, that you will provide, that you are sovereign, that you will be present with me, and that I don't have to fear. If you're the one calling me, I'm all in. Are you all in? Whatever that looks like in your life, are you all in? Because there is someone at the other end of your obedience. And God loves that someone. And he wants to use you so that they feel his love. So will you stand with us, church? God, I thank you. I thank you that we have the privilege, as Reuben was saying, to serve you, to cooperate with you. I thank you that even if we live our whole lives getting to know you, we will never fully know you because you are so much greater. And you don't fit into a neat box that we can put you in, but you you just explode that box. You are greater than anything that we could ever dream or imagine. The silver is yours. The gold is yours. And I thank you that you are so grand, that you are so majestic, and that we can't trust you. I thank you that you want to use us, imperfect, limited beings but that you passionately love with an unfailing love. I thank you that you want us. And God, I pray that you will move the hearts of those who are in this place today. I pray that you break through the stubbornness of our hearts. Break through the pride. 
where so often we live for the definition of of success that we have made that society has defined lord i pray that you will shatter that definition of success and that we won't care about that that we will leave that aside and that you will be the one we live for i pray that we will live for an audience of one god will you be pleased will you be pleased with your children show us what that looks like practically if there are people in here who want to live for you and want to build your kingdom but they don't know where to start god i pray that you you speak to them that you show them that you bring them people around them like elishka had andrea to just come and disciple her and show her i pray that you will connect us with one another that we will be the church building one another up being your voice to one another holy spirit will you speak through us that we will build your church we will reach the city of lisbon because there are so many people who are prisoners and they need to be set free people who are living as beggars and they need to be told that they are royalty in you lord will you use everyone here will you move their hearts to build your kingdom for your glory because you are so worthy so worthy of it all there is nothing we can hold back from you because you are holy 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 and you are worthy of everything we can give to you in jesus name